On front page with me this morning, Dr. Wong Sai Wan, Editor-in-Chief at the Malay Mail, also Prabhagani Chief Executive at Kwasa and Columnist at the Malay Mail. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good morning. morning. Now, it looks like the Deputy Minister in the Prime Minister's Department, Muhammad Farid, Muhammad Rafiq, said that the 1.6 million civil servants also include those in the education sector, the security forces and health manpower who were not normally you know, taken into account as public servants in other countries, but here they are. And uh, if you look at the ratio, it's 1 to 51. So for every 51, you know, right yet, you have one civil servant. So do you feel that this is an ideal size, Saiwan? I don't think there's such a thing as ideal size for civil service. I think for most of us, it is the efficiency. So of the 651,000 people who are civil servants, I wonder how many of them are in the front line where they actually meet and serve the people. So I think that should be looked at and are there enough of them? Let's get that right first. And then after that, we should then judge the the civil service separately from frontliners because it's the frontliners that really gives us headaches and heartaches. So I, I don't think the question of the size of the civil... It's, it's size of civil service depends on actually which side of the political divide you are. YB Farid and his colleagues when they were in the opposition would harp on the same thing that the civil services to make. Mm-hmm. Now that the Barisan National MPs are on the opposition side, they are going to harp on the very same thing. But I think that the thing, there must be a proper study actually of where this 651,000 people are. Right, and uh, that's the ones that are actually actively yes. kind of, you know, yeah. taken into account. Your thoughts, Prabha? Well, I share a lot of what Saiwan said because it's really a question of quality versus quantity. Uh, most of the discussion never really touches on uh, what these people do. I mean, is it a teacher or a, a school clerk? Is it investigators? Because the regular uh, public, they would want more investigators rather than clerks at a police station taking your report. Exactly. So it's a perspective of what they do because I believe people want service to be delivered to them and therefore the question of whether they're executive level, white collar or blue collar but extended to that is that it's also one point whatever million votes and election. Mm. So it's very difficult in view of things like AI reducing. I mean, if banks are reducing the employees because not less people are meeting to provide services, yeah. wouldn't it be the same for also for the civil service? Yeah. And therefore, in the long run, are they going to be losing people or keeping people to keep votes? Well, it's definitely, uh, personally, I feel it's a little bloated, but yes. Uh, no, but see, the problem with going uh, automated or AI is that we Malaysians, regardless of whether we are B40, M40 or whatever, 20, we like to be served. Mm-hmm. I think until today, a lot of us are still complaining about the banks not being efficient, uh, we have to go through talk to machines. When we do with telcos, we get upset when it's a computer answering us. I think the government could very easily go down the road of telcos and the banks. Will the rakyat agree? Yes. Is something else. And then that will probably potentially come up for the next election. <laughs> Yes, it is. Yeah, as an issue. Well, coming up, Asian markets roiled by recession fears after Wall Street sell-off this week. We'll be taking a look at that next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is Prabhaganesan from Malay Mail, also Dr. Wong Saiwan, also from the Malay Mail. And it looks like Asian markets roiled by recession fears after Wall Street sell-off. The Dow Jones closed 7% in the past 
three weeks and two of the world's largest economies, Germany and the United Kingdom, appear to be contracting. At least this was the news yesterday, but I understand there's been a hike. Uh, there was a technical correction last night in the US. I think it went up about 100 points, which is still much, much lower than the almost 900 points that collapsed the day before. Mm-hmm. I think what we should look at is this came a day, the crash came a day after the US markets actually jumped uh, on President Trump's uh, remarks that they were postponing the new tariff on China. To put it very mildly, the entire collapse was due to a technical technicality called the inverse curve. That means the interest rates and the, and the bond market and all that just overtook equity. That, to most analysts and econ- economists, is a sure sign that the global recession is coming. I think mm. that, that's what we need to look at. And uh, I've been saying for 18 months now that the recession is going to hit Malaysia. It's just a matter of how badly it's going to hit. Mm-hmm. Now, among all these uh, pundits, economic pundits, they're calling it the three Cs. China, consumer, and credit. Now, if those three things happen to coincide at the same time, then we are looking at a massive global recession. All right. Your thoughts, Prabha? Uh, well, I never try to overreach on e- economics, but as they say, the cliche, if uh, the U.S. sneezes, the world catches a cold, mm-hmm. is always going to be uh, said over and over. But I suppose what I can contribute here is talking about us in Malaysia, because recessions, if there's a global recession, then it hits us as hard, as they say, because we are a trading nation. We rely very heavily on the world and how the world reacts to us. But also, recessions are a time where you can do your own internal correction. It allows us a chance to reset some things. Maybe it's an opportunity for us to relook at what our future industries would be. You know, people keep throwing around Industry 4.0. And also about our education. And also maybe looking at the redistribution that we have in wealth in this country. So maybe that's a time for us to sit back in a room and try to replan our own economy. Well, definitely. But, you see, the, the problem is this. Our government keeps on saying that doesn't seem to have a plan for recession. The most obvious thing is they're saying, oh, our figures are good. We're not, we're not, we're yeah. not, we're not going to hit recession. Now, does it mean that they're just putting up a brave front or are they really, really, they really don't have a plan? Uh, brave front, I accept. Don't have a plan, we are going to be in trouble. Yes. I, I, I think, I kind of think that we don't have a plan. Oh, dear. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they just, they've got to put a, a bold front. Mm-hmm. Any government would do that. But I think I might have to agree with Saiwan on this one, and that is there might be a lack of a cohesive plan. Okay. Well, let's hope the powers that be are here. He's more optimistic. <laughs> He's in cohesive. I say they don't uh, have one. All right. Well, coming up, refugees are despairing at the slow pace of reform since the Pakatan Harapan government took over. We'll be taking a look at that next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Dr. Wong Sai Wan, Editor-in-Chief at Malay Mail, Prabhaganisan, Chief Executive at Kwasa, columnist as well at the Malay Mail. And Malaysia's refugees wait here for years without basic rights and it's causing mental health issues and leaving many turning to underground work. They are despairing at the slow pace of reforms since Pakatan Harpan took over. Why is it taking so long, Prabha? 
it's about refugees and you're talking about Malaysia and we've been dealing with refugees since you know the 70s since the end of the Vietnam war and the thing is it's a very tenuous and difficult issue when it comes to refugees for a government especially a country that's porous like ourselves because one man's refugee is another man's economic migrant or in fact for our security detail it could be a security threat so having all this considered it's difficult also for a lot of the pakatan leaders while they were in the opposition they always try to overreach mm-hmm. in in stating their love for migrants and also refugees right. our own economic situation persists so it's a issue of priorities because if we don't it's political suicide okay so what moves have been made to improve the quality of life for refugees if any I don't really think but to be fair to this government I really don't think it has to be a priority for them obviously they work with the United Nations refugees part of their organization and they do other things to work with other international agencies but if you're asking me is this government doing enough mm-hmm. I would say as a government especially in a time of this kind of economic situation its priorities would be with its own citizens first right. okay your thoughts I want just a history lesson the very ground that we are sitting on was actually this Songhai Bersi Vietnamese internment camp this land that we sitting on right now manifesto priority i think if i am pakatan harapan and i list down my manifesto priorities i think refugees would be somewhere in i think what they had 41 promises i think they will be number 45 right it will be outside my priority list no i mean no i'm not being inhuman or anything about it it's just that none of the refugees here is going to count in any ballot that pakatan harapan faces i think at the moment the biggest refugee problem we got are the rohingyas and rohingyas have been here for 30 years mm-hmm. every single geoeconomic political refugee from different regions poses different problems i do not know how many refugees america australia uk sweden switzerland the normal favorite places would take if they come from rohingya if they came from i don't know singapore mm-hmm. i think they would be gladly taking them of us in two days right okay well something we are still watching i suppose this yes, uh, it as as it develops now coming up chinese paramilitary members are gathering near hong kong border we'll take a look at that headline next here on light On front page with me this morning that the Wang Sai Wan and Prabaganisin now it looks like China has deployed large numbers of para military members near the Hong Kong border and uh, we've had more than 10 weeks of protests and the the recent one at the airport had riot police descend on them do you feel that protesters have gone too far Prabha um no i don't think protesters have gone I mean it's tricky when you ask a question about protests especially mm-hmm. when you're trying to protest the Chinese government do they protest not too much not at all I mean democracy is not a sanitized concept it can't be like let's schedule it for lunchtime and then we'll continue tomorrow there's an idea these people believe in we don't need to agree with what they want but we need to agree with the way the terms in which they want to achieve those uh, goals and outcomes right. as long as it is peaceful uh it has to be done do you feel their actions were justified okay let, let's let's put things in perspective you can't protest and not be violent unless you're mahatma gandhi you can't take to the street and do not break the law okay let's get things in perspective and policemen are just civil servants who are carrying out 
the letter of the law. And uh, I mean, for me, it's so funny to watch the Hong Kong protests. Every time before they shoot tear gas, the policeman puts up this black signboard that says, tear gas coming. Give them three minutes to, to scatter, and then they fire the tear gas. They use rubber bullets once, and it has been repeated on every coverage that they, sh- that they shot rubber bullets. I, I mean, come on. In Northern Ireland, during the height of the IRA, rubber bullets were considered mild. Israel used more than just rubber bullets. They used hardened rubber bullets in Palestine. I think if you look at it from that kind of perspective, I think the Hong Kong police have been very, very restrained. Yeah, but I don't think we need to aspire to who's got the harder rubber bullets. I mean, there are instances throughout history where we have had violence from those in power. Those in power have have, you know, displayed different levels of aggression to protesters. Well, the heat over in Hong Kong is definitely a story we are continuing to watch. Uh, Also, road rage has to be a problem that uh, we need to solve on our own backyard. We'll take a look at that next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Propaganisan Chief Executive at Kuwasa and columnist at the Malay Mail. Also, Dr. Wong Saiwan, Editor-in-Chief at the Malay Mail. Another road rage incident has gone viral. This one occurring near the Chiras roundabout. Earlier this week, we saw a tragic case of road rage. And, um, you know, this is a big problem in this country. Throughout the year, we've been reading about road rage, people getting, um, you know, their cars smashed and bullied on the road. I mean, this is a big problem, is it not? I think road rage is an international issue. I think that in Malaysia, it is extra sensitive if there is someone... Different races involved. Different races involved, yeah. Uh, And I think it's symptomatic of what is wrong with Malaysia Baru. We have accepted Malaysia Baru to mean we can do everything and anything. We have forgotten about the need to be restrained. But I'm mindful of the fact that the majority of people listening to this show right now are driving mm-hmm. to work. I think at the end of the day, when we get into a car, we're trying to get somewhere and everybody wants to get there. And so an issue of how we all manage the space available and the channels available. Is it about laws? Is it about civility? I think maybe the larger issue here is about the trust deficit that exists in this country. I mean, I think a lot of us are responsible for this because the first question people ask when they pass an accident or they get news about accident is oh was it who was in it just Chinese mm. or Malay and we almost construct a reality of trying to understand something based on race yeah. it's like if somebody died on the road it makes a difference of the ethnicity not what actually happened what are the causes and why what else is Rabbi, I, thought, I, thought, I thought the first thing any Malaysian asked was it was a car number <laughs> that yeah. too that you know, too are our laws sufficient to curb road no age? we're not no Nope. Your thoughts, Rabba? I think laws are there. A lot of laws in this country. I think it's a question of how we look at laws. Mm-hmm. Because we can punish people all we want, but people don't appreciate uh, civility. Then what can we do? All right. Well, gentlemen, it's been a very interesting discussion this morning on Front Page. Thank you very much. Thanks, Shas.